you know, and I think one of the, one of the common themes is we're all really curious about cycling. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things. So there's so much curiosity and there's so many dimensions to it that, you know, once if you're an engineer, like we are, we're, 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 we get fascinated into all the various aspects of it because they're really hard problems to solve. And, you know, and there's, there's, there's lots of data that we can, we can collect to kind of help us do this stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, engineers just love it because, you know, there's an open kind of open turf to uh, kind of come up with new ideas and new solutions with, you know, all this information that, that we're collecting. So it's kind of fun in that respect. That's awesome. That's our cold open, by the way. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast. Hey, folks, before we jump into today's interview, I want to do kind of a double plug. Um, The first is, of course, for the show sponsor, 4i Innovations. Uh, As you likely have heard myself and Andrew talk about 4i's and their excellent power meters, um, they have been kind enough to offer financial support to the show, for which we are grateful and uh, also offer to you, our listeners, a 20% discount towards any factory installed power meter on their website. Uh, simply use the promo code that you'll see in our show notes to take advantage of that. Part two of this double-sided plug is for ourselves, for Endurance Innovation. Um, our first commercial venture other than the podcast, which of course is not a commercial venture, is to start aero testing in the Toronto area in Canada. Um, and uh, this is something that we will be launching in the very near future as the uh, pandemic restrictions around us are on the cusp, I believe, of being eased. Uh, so this is a, a fairly comprehensive service that Andrew and I will talk about uh, maybe in a little bit more detail in a, in a future show. But um, essentially, it's a roughly four-hour service outdoors with your bike, your equipment, plus some of our equipment where we can go through maybe eight to 12 different positions, equipment options, uh, kit options, all with the goal of finding your fastest possible position. So if you're in the area and you want to know more, all you need to do is uh, send me an email, let me know that you're interested. Uh, The best email for me is michael at eitech.io or reach out to us on Instagram, we're at Endurance Innovation. Thanks and on with the show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Endurance Innovation. Joining us today is Armando Mastracci, an engineer, an IT professional, and maybe in a past life, uh, and more recently and more relevant to the the topic today, the founder of Exert. Armando, thank you very much for taking the time and coming on the show. Why don't we start with uh, the genesis of Exert and uh, how it is that you came to create the platform. No, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. You know, I love talking about Exert, and you know, you, you probably you know remember that time where we were sitting down at a, at a coffee shop patio and talking about all this stuff. And um, you know, that's uh, that's what makes Exert so interesting is that um, when you really get into it, you kind of understand the scope of what it of what it does. It's pretty fascinating. And so, you know, that's kind of why Exert exists, because 
I was doing a bunch of analysis of data as a, as a, as a, as an engineer mm-hmm. curious about, you know, just like you guys are curious about the data, trying to figure out how it all works and why are certain things behaving a certain way. And when you, when you do that and you uncover certain patterns and there's no explanation for these anywhere, then you kind of wonder what's happening. And so you know, there's kind of, there's often, you know, serendipitous things I described that happen with exert that as you examine the data, you kind of discover things. And these things are really cool and they're really interesting. And that kind of what led me to kind of create exert because I was so curious, like I know a lot of people are about how physiology works, how the data is, how the physiology is represented in the data mm-hmm. and how the data is, is used for training and how can it be used for improving and just tracking your own personal performance. And so I was totally fascinated into this and I, I thought a lot of people would be. And so that was the genesis of Exert, right? It's, it was a way to create a platform on which we could run these analyses and um, and get insight into your performance and your fitness that hadn't hadn't existed before. That's really interesting because the typical path of someone who is you know who who starts cycling, falls in love, and and appreciates the fact that it's a sport that lends itself to an inordinate amount of analysis. Like you can you can spend a lot of time thinking about the various components, and of course you focus on physiology. Um, the route that I find most people will will take is diving into, you know, the traditional sports physiology uh, and, you know, doing research or, or speaking with the the experts in that field in order to understand what's going on to, you know, and start with energy systems and then and then build your way up from there. But it sounds to me like and correct me if I'm wrong, but you um, you saw patterns in your own data or maybe the data you've folks you've worked with um, and then created a model around that without necessarily starting with the the sports phys background. Is that right or is that off? No, that's pretty much it. And in fact, it was the is the reaffirmation of understanding the physiology that sort of led me to believe I was on the right track hmm. because I, I wasn't trying to model the physiology. I was just trying to figure out what the data was telling me. And I saw certain, like I said, I saw certain patterns. There was no, there was no research on this. So I thought, okay, well, what is this telling me? And so as, as I was investigating this more and more, it was starting to explain some of the things that already existed in the physiology. And I thought that was just fascinating. Huh. How is how why is the numbers showing me or you know um, you know explaining some aspects of physiology that I just sort of stumbled upon, and you know uh, sort of that's kind of one of the main things of, of exert for example is this concept called MPA or maximal power available. It's like the fundamental core of the system. Okay, and you know that came about because I was modeling heart rate and. I realized that heart rate, when you're trying to uh, interpret heart rate, it doesn't respond very much when, when you're, when you're tired. So as you start to fatigue, Mm -hmm. your heart rate responds slower and slower. And when I was trying to model heart rate, I thought, well, what's making it go slow? And one of the model parameters I had in my, in my model was your maximal power. Okay. So I tried a bunch of things. I tried changing your resting heart rate, your maximum. I tried to, you know, all the heat impact, try to create a whole bunch of different re- representations of how that fatigue was happening or why the heart rate was slowing down. And they all kind of worked until I ran into or tried this kind of new model for MPA. I thought, let me, let me lower your maximal power 
in this model and what see what happens. And when I did that, lo and behold, the process just, it, the regression just took an order of magnitude improvement, way more than anything else I tried. And so I, that led me to believe there was something there. And so when I then modeled that MPA, model with heart rate, it took me another couple of years before I took that math and I flipped it around and I said, I, th- I said, I think I could derive a power duration curve mm-hmm. from this math. So I solved for the power duration curve and lo and behold, I ended up with a, a perfect power duration curve. What I thought was perfect in the sense that it had the shape of what you think a power duration curve should yep. be. I'm assuming you guys all know about power duration curves, right? Yeah, and listeners will have. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that was another one of those things when I went, whoa, like I didn't expect this. You know, there was just all this talk about power duration curves and how to model them was four parameter models and three parameter models and CPW prime and mm-hmm. all these, all this research into these sort of things. And I hadn't done any of that. I just said, well, let's just solve for this math. And I had a great power duration curve with three variables. That's awesome. So this this parameter MPA, just so uh, for, for listeners who are not um, steeped in the exert lingo, is it, would mm-hmm. it be safe to say that this is your maximal sprint power that's available in that that moment in your ride? Yes, but what what you what you really need to under, appreciate, I guess, is that yes, we're tracking your maximal power, so your maximal one second power. Okay. Yeah. But but what the model actually attempts to, or what it does is it models your entire power duration curve at any moment in time. Oh, fun. So as you fatigue, that's obviously going to change. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so not only do we know how much you power you have for one second, but we also know how much power you have for five seconds and 10 seconds and, 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 you know, three minutes, we know exactly how much power you can hold maximally uh, for any duration, at least any duration under about an hour or so. Um, including your maximal one second power. So these these things are what we use in our workout designs. We do them so we know how much power, how long you can hold the various power, whether you're fresh or you're fatigued. Mm-hmm. And the model is also a recovery model at the same time. So it's not only assessing how much power you can produce, but how much rest do you need to recover that power? So both of those are being modeled and they're modeled with three numbers. So it's, it's pretty phenomenal to think about the fact that we can model both the, 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 the creation of fatigue and the recovery of that fatigue with a, a model of three parameters. And, and it's, it's validated every time you use the software. So if the software picks up on your maximal power because that was all you had in a given moment, and the three numbers that we use, the fitness signature numbers, we get into that mm-hmm. kind yeah, of we will. Make, makes makes that MPA number work, then you can say, hey, this is the software's working, right? It's it's nothing I I don't need to prove to you that it works. You can prove you can prove it for yourself. So so those sort of things I think are what make this software so interesting to people. And the same kind of fascination I had with this that brought brought me to create the software is the same thing other people experience when they use it. They think that the predictability of, of how much power you can produce and its ability to predict that, uh, whether you're using it in real time or, or afterwards when you're analyzing your eyes, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty uncanny. And I think that's kind of what's driving a lot of people to, use, to using our software. So what I really like about this is 
as as an engineer, I appreciate this. You've taken a soft, complicated, squishy person and reduced them to an equation, <laughs> uh, which I find very comforting when I think about it. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really interesting though, because so many people with uh, with these models they focus on how do I capture the exact physiology and the the processes, so the metabolic pathways that we're looking at. How do I model each of those individually and combine them? Would be an example. But the reality is we're not that concerned about how it gets there. We're just concerned about the final number. I mean, we can sometimes change our training and, and sometimes change our theory based on the, the metabolic pathway. But uh, if you're just trying to predict how much power you have available at a given time, um, if that can be replaced by a simpler equation, then why not do that? Um, and I've seen many good examples in engineering where, um, and I'm going to go off on a tangent here with turbulence mm-hmm. modeling is a good example mm-hmm. where initially you tried to represent everything as it physically occurred. And then they realized, no, that doesn't work that well. Let's just simplify it. And then you get a much better fit. And this is kind of what you've done here, where it's just let the data speak for itself and do a proper regression and understand what's actually happening uh, in terms of output rather than trying to predict all the inputs. And, and if you can do that successfully, then the, the inverse of what you've just done it works as well. What that means is that if I can represent how much power you could you can produce at any given moment with three numbers, then if I want you to produce more power, I only have three things I can influence, mm-hmm. right? So if I just adjust those, so I can only train three numbers in the end. So that was another kind of revelation to think, okay, so if I can predict what power you can you can produce at any given moment with three numbers, well then. Technically speaking, there's only really three things you can train. Yeah, I think I think how you go about training them is still very much an open question for for a lot of uh, a lot of listeners and coaches and, and sports scientists. But uh, yeah, you can certainly uh, you can I agree that you can certainly measure them. Yeah, well, you know, so that's that was this sort of that that's exert. Yeah, right. Exert. That's what it does. Okay, so basically, it says that you know I can I can predict your power output. And again, we'll we're not going to talk. You know, we can talk a little bit about the kind of like extended ultra duration events because then there's other factors involved for sure so we're just going to constrain it to let's say the, an hour an hour and a half of, of racing okay so if you're within an hour and a half maybe two hours of racing you can say that these three numbers are highly predictive of your performance okay okay and so if you're, and so if you're going to try and optimize your performance for a given race then there's only three levers that you can kind of work on mm-hmm. and so when you train then you're training then only influences one of those three levers. Sure. Right? Because that's what's predicting your ability to perform. You can't really work on some other lever that doesn't influence your ability to perform. Then it's really no use to you or it doesn't really, not really necessary. So that's kind of the things, again, the engineering brain that I have, you know, kind of boils it right down into the, the, the simplest terms and say, oh, so then how do we, how do we measure strain in three dimensions? And so, you know, well, strain is how much, you know, what, what strain it was, you know, you've got MPA, so you've got fatigue that's built up. So the amount of strain you produce is relative to MPA. It's a logical thing to, 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 to conceptualize. And that's where the concept of our strain. So, you know, our, you know, listeners who are, who are familiar with, with exert will know that we have what's called exert strain score, which is how we measure how much strain, how much training effect in, in, in essence mm-hmm. is being placed on the body during exercise. And we can then subdivide that strain into three systems, 
that you know will get applied to your training. So that's kind of what the system does. It does all that stuff in an automated way and helps you track kind of how much training you're applied to these three, three different systems, helps you under, understand how you can improve these three different systems. Right. One of them typically, you know, to get into them, threshold power, FDP, that's one of the systems. Mm-hmm. But there's also your high intensity energy, which is similar to W prime in the in the research world. Yep. Or um, and then you have peak power. So my, how much power can you produce for one second? And these are the three parameters that that we use. That you know you train, you improve, and ultimately can dictate how well you can perform. So that's uh, that was going to be my my next question because you know you you've mentioned the three components and uh, listeners who are not familiar with Exert were probably really asking themselves, well, we've got MPA, what are the other two? But yeah, high intensity energy and uh, and uh, FTP. And what's interesting um, is that the platform measures strain, and I, you just said this, and I just want to reiterate for for our listeners uh, across all three parameters. Correct. So you're not just measuring, right. you know, you know, MPA strain, but you're also doing, you know, high intensity energy strain and and FTP strain. And is that the way that you get at, you know, um, you can you can start to calculate how to, or you can start to model uh, how you're going to get the the kind of adaptation that you want to get to get to a certain level of fitness for your goal event? Correct. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of, there's, you know, going back to what we were saying, you can only modify, you can only, uh, you can only affect one of three, one of three systems and, and improve them. And so, so, so long as you apply the strain on each one of the systems, then those, those are, are going to improve. So that's essentially the, the, the basis for what XSS does and, mm-hmm. and how it works. Yeah. And that's really not very not. I mean, uh, sports scientists will be angry at me for saying this, but that's not dissimilar from what we do in, uh, you know, in the what we. I, I'm not counting myself amongst them. What what they do in this in the sports physiology world, where you're trying to, you know, you're trying to work the glycolytic system, or you're trying to work the aerobic system, right? And so you're right. you're trying to you're trying to place strain and however you or stra- training stress however you want to measure mm-hmm. it whether it's in you know kilojoules or duration or you know training stress score from training peaks or whatever you like to choose um you're in in one way or another you're still trying to apply a certain amount of training load to a specific you know system that contributes to your overall per- uh, performance so there's quite a bit of right similarity. yeah the the, the the challenge that you know and i'm sure you've run into and pretty much everyone who's used the you know the older systems is that if you've got a training stress score it's you know it's a good number to work with yeah. but it's a little bit of a it's pretty it's a pretty blunt instrument <laughs> i happen to agree yeah and and it and it doesn't really divide into three systems so you can get tss score by noodling on your bike for five hours mm-hmm. Or you can go out and sprint and, and, you know, sprint for 30 seconds and get some really big numbers in terms of training stress. Mm-hmm. Or then you can sprint for five seconds and really get no credit at all for them because it's, it's averaging over 30 seconds. So there's some anomalies in terms of how you can apply it. And I think that's where the coaching and the skills come into play. If you're going to use it for your coaching purposes, you've got to kind of understand its limitations. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to kind of understand the physiology and you got to put those two together to come up with some kind of plan to understand and 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 advise and then provide the proper training for your athletes. So it's it's, it's a hard problem because you're not dealing with a lot of precise information. 
With Exert, we don't have that. I, I almost expected you to set off Michael on a rant there talking about TSS. No, yeah. <laughs> that was a trigger point. I, yeah, no, I'm not. I, I agree with you that it's it, it lacks a lot of resolution. Um, mm-hmm. The TSS is not is not the, uh, you know, not my personally, not my preferred metric for, for training stress. It, it has its yeah. time and place, but I think something more granular like what you're providing is is a much better representation for what you would experience as an athlete. Well, you know, the, if you if you go through the research, this that's one of the big biggest issues they have in terms of measuring training load is, you know, how do you how do you accurately measure the training load? Is it one dimensional or is it multi dimensional? Everyone kind of knows it's multi dimensional because, you know, like a, an easy ride isn't going to affect you in the same way as a higher intensity ride. Totally. So so you can't just say how much work did you perform that's not sufficient. So the amount of work isn't there. So you've got to have some other measure that is going to account for how the different systems are being applied during the exercise. Mm-hmm. And so we've done that with XSS. XSS isn't, doesn't use, for example, doesn't use any averaging. Okay. There's no average power or anything like that. It's second by second calculation. So we calculate on a second by second basis, how much strain you're, is being placed on the body mm-hmm. and which system is is that strain being placed on? Yes, and okay, I think that's so, critical. I think that's the really critical. And then part. we add those up. Yeah, we add those up, and then we can say this is how the numbers add up for you, and this is how we're going to add them up not only for that particular ride, but over a particular season. And then we can do things like impulse response models with you know with you know time constants. That's what the system mm-hmm. is doing. It's basically taking all this information and adding it all up for you in some kind of meaningful way so that you can then assess and say, oh, look, I've been training my high intensity energy system. I can bring it from 20 to 25 by through this training. Same thing with my threshold power. And if I do that, that's going to, you know, that's going to prepare me for my event. So, so that's really the distinction between exert is that it's, it's, you know, foundationally on MPA, which is kind of a unique kind of capability for analysis. But when it all boils right down, it's like, how do I use this to help my training so that I can be very specific, very precise on how, what training I need to do to improve to achieve a particular goal. And we have a way to actually measure that. So that's, that's what, what makes your exert very unique. That's awesome. So uh, let's move on to uh, what's the target market. I mean, obviously, uh, cyclists—that's that's a no-brainer. That's where you—that's where you're coming at it from. But uh, you know, my own my own hat has is a tri-corner hat, it, uh, that of a triathlete. Uh, and I also know that uh, with the advent, uh, that's a that that rivals your your joke from the last episode, Andrew, about Arab runners. <laughs> so there you go. Um, the uh, and then I know that there are some runners that are using it with uh, with running power meters like the Stride. So uh, who is it for? Where does, where do you find that it works best? And maybe what are some of the challenges of, of making it work for multi-sport folks? Oh yeah. So, um, you know, obviously the, the biggest audience is the, you know, are the cyclists Mm -hmm. and it's interesting how, and I think partially it's because of how we're priced. So we're priced very, very modestly. Agreed. You know, we're not, we're not really priced as a kind of a professional, kind of performance analytical tool, even though we certainly feel you could use it that way, we're being priced as more of, um, you know, something that you would, that anyone with a power meter we think should use. Mm-hmm. So if you, we, if you have a power meter, we think you should be using our software. 
So really, it's, it's there to capture that market of anyone who has a power meter, whether they're using it to train to to uh, to race or whether they're just training to kind of track their, their improvements or they just want to kind of, you know, they're just kind of curious about how, how they can where they can see themselves and how, how, how fit can they, 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 they can try and become and to track their, you know, their overall training load and make sure they're not overtraining and things like that. And that they have a purpose with their, with their training, uh, with their, with their power meter. So there's a whole, whole number of different kinds of people out there that will, that benefit from that. Mm-hmm. And so those are the ones that are using our software. You know, they're the ones that kind of, they're curious, they're training to, to compete um, and, you know, that applies even to runners. So, you know, running at power meter is still, it's, you know, it's, in, it's, just in, it's a very interesting space because I think there's already a, a ton of knowledge about running and, and training and improving and how to, how to properly train for running. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's without even touching a, a, a single power data point. So there's so 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 power data, you know, is is a is another additional tool, and we think it's probably a better tool for in the hands of you know beginners. That you know uh, we think that um, you know are unfamiliar with all of the practices around uh, around uh, running, and they could benefit from an additional tool for for that a deeper analysis. Hmm. So we do have runners that are using our software. They're curious about kind of their MPA and, you know, training with it and their signature and things like that. So there's lots of curiosity around there. Um, some have actually used it quite effectively for, for triathlons. So we do have triathletes using our software. They'll have multiple accounts Mm-hmm. for for cycling and they'll have another account for for running um yeah that's that's another interesting kind of dilemma right in terms of how do you manage multiple sports um and uh yeah we talk a little bit more about that in a second but yeah we, but we, yeah, we, we ought to for sure because i know you and i had a had a really yeah. interesting conversation yeah. about the, diff, the the challenges involved in in modeling you know fitness adaptations and fatigue because obviously there's there's quite a bit of uh, crossover effect between the three modalities in triathlon yeah in, but you know just to sort of finish off on the, on the concept you know we do have a lot of people that are 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 curious and they're looking to um understand how to do their own uh training and their own performance and they're more i wouldn't say self-coaching is the right way to, to designate our audience the majority of our of our audience it's not like they're coaching themselves because they're not really trying to compete necessarily they're just trying to understand how to how to how their body works and how how to train it mm-hmm. so we help with that you know we, we show you exactly how you work and how you can improve and how you can improve relative to yourself or relative to others and and that uh, awareness is something that uh, people are very curious about uh, and very fascinated about. So so I think that's kind of ultimately who our audience is. Now, getting back to the uh, you know the answering the question about you know multi sport. You know, we've been asked about multi sport for for quite some time. And in fact, about a year ago, we started a pretty big project to implement multi sport. Okay, uh, and that's in the platform. And what that means is that. Right now, for example, if you have a running account and if you have a cycling account, there's two separate accounts. There's two separate signatures in the system, fitness signature 
um, and they don't really talk to each other. There's no information that comes from running into cycling or cycling to running or even swimming. Okay. So, so we're not a platform in that sense. We weren't, or we're not yet a platform to help you manage your training across multiple disciplines. So we thought we could do that because, um, you know, we can track your fitness for running very, very accurately. We can track your fitness for, for cycling very, very accurately. We can help you train for cycling. We can help you train for running. Mm-hmm. But when you do both, well, we recognize that there's a whole bunch of overlap, right? So if you finish a run one day, you may not be able to run or cycle the next day, depending upon how hard you rode, how hard you ran and how far and mm-hmm. what, kind of, what kind of effect that might have had on you. Um, meanwhile, you know, you may have gone for a swim one day and, and you could, it could have been a hard swim, but you might be fine the next day for, for, uh, for a ride. Yeah. So how each individual sport affects one of the, what the other sport is unique. It's not, you just can't add up TSS, you know, across these different disciplines. You could, but it's not really going to tell you much. You've, you've got to then go and make all these inferences in addition to the information that you're getting, you can't really automate the process of understanding what is happening when you can do certain things. You kind of need someone with the oversight to kind of plan it all out and understand it. So the, the problem is a much harder problem to solve when you're looking at multi-sport than is something that we could we could automate and do within exert the way kind of we do it for cycling. That's what people would expect from us. Right. And it's a very difficult problem. Let's put it that way. I totally agree with you. It was a, it was a, I, I kind of threw it out at you as an unanswerable mm. question, as far as I'm concerned. Um, when, when I hear, you know, really smart coaches and sports folks that I have a lot of respect for talk about this stuff, a lot of it is the, you know, the, the, the quote unquote, uh, the, the art of coaching, you know, they know that, uh, after a hard bike workout, folks can still do a fairly hard swim, and it, sometimes that actually improves recovery. How do they know that? Is there any kind of uh, um, hard hard data to back that up? No, it's just hours of experience, and so it's right. it's very hard to <laughs> to automate and program that kind of stuff. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, that your answer makes perfect sense to me. You know, and if you, if you're familiar with Exert, you you know that there's three systems. Well, each system has their own kind of training load. So, in other words, chronic training load. If you're for other you know other terms that were used, mm-hmm. um, we track all that. There's different time constants, um, and there's time constants for how you train, how you improve, and how much fatigue and how you know, much recovery you need from the exercise. Those are all kind of mathematical concepts that we track, and we do that for cycling we do that for running um don't do it yet for for swimming but we could but the the intention would be that you would have this kind of what we call a um an interaction matrix okay this concept we created that we we were looking at and basically what it would tell you is say okay if i train for running my training for running has a positive effect on my training for cycling not one-to-one, but some fraction of it okay. that we would allow you to control. So you may say 70% of my running strain can be applied to my cycling strain as improvement. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you might say, okay, but 120% of my running strain gets applied to my, for recovery, gets applied to my, my cycling because running is harder, harder to recover from, even if I'm going to run. So you, you may say one is 70%. 
and then the other one is 120 percent and you can you can probably understand how managing those numbers would make sense right because then you can then see how much one is improving the other and how much affect you know how much recovery you might need from one to the other yeah and that's that's super difficult because i mean you're you're asking the user to set those uh those parameters and you you're, you the program couldn't do it because they you know let's say if you take someone who's a, a you know a terrific runner who is who runs who runs a ton that individual the strain of their running is is not going to accumulate as much fatigue as somebody who's new to running or you know kind of like a middle of the pack runner so it's a there's no way that you could I don't I don't know I mean I it would be very difficult for the system to do well it. we could create the system but then I'll just want to add you know you we've got three dimensions to this so you can imagine say okay let's say I'm going to train you know train to be a 200 meter sprinter. Okay, well, if I, you know, if that's my event, and I and I and I'm going to do some some cycling as part of that, just for whatever reason, you're going to you're going to use and kind of mix in these sports. Well, then how do you apply? Um, you know, if I'm doing a, a sprint workout, how does the peak power from running affect the peak power? So we're not just talking about running to cycling; we're talking about running three-dimensional fitness to cycling three-dimensional fitness yep. Yep. across both improvement and, and recovery demands. And it's hard, right? It's hard. We can make the math potentially work, but then help putting that into your, into your hands so that you can manipulate it becomes a, quite a bit of a challenge. So that's the way we would want to do it. That's the way exert would say you should do it, but it's just, it's, um, it's too complicated. And I, I do question, um, whether or not there's an ability for big data to help with this. So this is something that you hear with a lot of people where, or a lot of companies where they analyze large data sets to help understand the correlations between certain things that would otherwise be difficult to quantify. So um, it, it would be interesting evaluating a lot of different users over time to see basically what impact and what uh, what correlation there is between the the different exercise uh, methodologies or basically running, cycling and, and swimming. Yeah, well, absolutely. So, you know, what that would be kind of where we would take this to say, okay, now that we have the infrastructure in place to dissect all of your running and dissect all of your cycling and apply them across each other through this mechanism, how, what are those numbers? What are those percentages? How do they apply? What other factors do we, should we consider as part of that? And you can just you know, run it through a machine to kind of create that analysis for you and then apply that. So we can certainly see that possibility is in introducing a machine to kind of help in, in that process. We kind of did, I say machine learning, it was quote unquote machine learning, you know, to establish the current time constants that you see in the system. Those are kind of established through an analysis of a large database of users. Um, you know, that could be the same kind of approach hmm. where we have an, a, a pre uh, you know, we have an understanding of how we think it should work, and then we apply some of that thinking or some of those, um, some of that methodology into the machine itself, so that we get a better understanding overall, and it becomes something that we can work with, uh, because we're we're using a, a foundation of a system that we know is 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 going to work. So it would be, um, yeah, I think it would be an interesting way to go about that for sure. Cool. Uh, let's jump back to the the model itself um, and the uh, kind of the the interaction between the kind of training and the kind of inputs that the user through their training uh, gives the model and the quality of the output. 
Uh, I know this is something that we've, we've talked a little bit about before, Armando. Uh-huh. So yeah. what do people need to do in order to give Exert, you know, the the optimal kind of information? Do you need to do a lot of all-out efforts? Do you need to do a lot of sprints? Do you need to do a lot of, you know, four or five-minute efforts to determine high-intensity energy? Do you know, do you, you know, basically I'm asking, do you kind of need to ride ad hoc tests in order to feed the to feed the algorithm or is or is it uh, much smarter than that and you can tease out the the information without doing those more structured efforts well that's the intent right so the intent is we can we can capture your fitness from just regular ride data without having to ask you to do any kind of formal kind of test in fact you know we kind of make the argument that when you try and do testing with a formal pattern, the pattern is an unnatural act in some ways. Hmm. And that the unnatural act, like, for example, let's say you, you know, just, you, you do a five minute all out test. So you hold your whatever it is, 400 watts, you hold it for five minutes and then you stop pedaling. Well, this, that's an unnatural act because your body doesn't fatigue instantaneously at five minutes yeah, at 300 seconds into the effort yep right and and you know and, and it doesn't want to naturally hold 400 watts until failure it's going to want to slow down right so there's this natural pattern in the data where as you fatigue you produce less power mm-hmm. and that that's in the data that's how exert works you know, that's how it picks up your MPA. That's how it picks up your signature. It's all in your data. It happens all the time. It's only when you try not to make it happen. <laughs> does it get a little bit confusing? Well, why would you, st- you know, you can't, you can't establish, you can't fatigue that quickly. You should be, you should have, you should have some power left, for example. So, so the idea would be that just trying to do more natural things rather than doing specific protocols, just kind of ride. Yeah. And you reach your failure, your legs say they give out, you know, and you keep pedaling. And what you'll see in the data, which is really cool, is, um, you know, you'll see your the power data start to drop. And then when you model MPA, MPA will will match that. It'll predict that drop. Mm-hmm. So it's so let me invert that because I think it'll be really cool to explain it this way. So if you're using our MPA app and you're you're on your bike and you're riding your bike and the MPA starts to come down as you're getting fatigued. Okay. And so let's say it starts at 1,000 watts and you watch it come down and it goes to 800. You see it come to 700. You see it come to 600. If you see it come down to 500, you are feeling it. Like 500, you're like, I don't want to keep pedaling. (laughs) Because it doesn't matter what your threshold is, it starts to really get uncomfortable. And what happens is that if at that moment it says 500, if you get up and you go as hard as you can, all you'll put, be able to put out is 500 watts at that one instant. Mm-hmm. But then the next instant, it might come down to 480 or 470. So then you put out 480, 470, and then it comes down to 440. And then so MPA saying all you got is 440, and then you go out as hard as you can, and you get 440, and you see this in your data. It'll say MPA said you were 470. That's what I did. MPA says you're four. So you see this kind of decline in 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 power, which is matched by MPA. That's when we know your signature. Hmm. That's when we know your threshold. We know your peak power. We know your HIE. When MPA matches all... real, when your when your real maximum matches MPA predicted MPA. Exactly. Yeah. So if these things happen and they happen naturally in your data, 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you just unless you never go all out or you, you, you know, well, you're you doing that. Right. Thing. I think that's that's kind yeah. of what I was waiting for you to say is, is you do need all out efforts. You do need to feed the model some like some really hard efforts that where where you, you know, you go to the point of cracking. Um, this sounds a lot like a race data file where you're pushing, say you're in a breakaway with someone or online racing, something like that, where you are pushing yourself and pushing the other person right to the limit. And you're constantly bouncing up against that threshold and having to back off and recover a little bit. And at the end of the ride, um, that it should be fairly well defined, I would think, where where your MPA would be at that point, just because you can't exactly. like that final sprint should be everything you've got left in the tank. And that right. will, you'll be riding the curve on the way down there. You'll be riding the curve. And, and then, and then you, on, on the bottom of the screen, when you open up your exert activity, you'll see your signature. It'll tell you your threshold. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, because it had it from before, it may tell you your threshold may, may have gone up by two watts or three watts. So we're picking up on this kind of random data, untested FTP tests telling you your FTP just went up by two watts. And then you go, well, how's that? How do we know that? How is it possible to pick up uh, that it's gone up by, by, by you know, such a little amount? Well, then when you start to map out your training loads, and then you map out how your training has changed over time, you'll often find that those small increases in your threshold actually match what training differences you have between the last time you got one and this time. So in other words, your training explains the fact that you've gone up by two watts. It's not just because it happened. It's not just one of these anomalous things. You know, it just so happens that your threshold went up by two watts. Almost inevitably, there's some training thing that you did that got you to the ability to kind of push out another couple of watts. So there is a correlation, highly highly correlated information between the training that you've done and the improvements you see from these small, these these efforts to failure. So we capture all that and exert. We show you how all that stuff is happening. So, and in fact, we can tell you how much your threshold and your other numbers have gone up without the breakthroughs, what we call breakthroughs, when you actually get these MPA um, uh, maximal efforts, um, we call those breakthroughs. Even without those breakthroughs, we can tell you how much your, your numbers have, in, have increased hmm. because we've detected all of these increases and changes up and down in the past. And so we use the historical data of how your training load and your breakthroughs and your, your fitness changes, what happened historically and then we simply extrap- extrapolate them from now to tell you how you need to train and what's going to happen and where you could be at the moment. So those are all things that Exert does under the covers. Well, if you're ever looking for a marketing slogan, I think having the ability to predict your FTP without training or without testing it would be the way. I mean, take my money at that point. If I don't ever have to do an FTP test again, I'd be happy. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how many people we've told this to. And yet, you know, they go out and they do they do FTP tests, and we're like, why are we people still using doing FTP tests? We don't understand why they intellectual why they would still inertia, it. right? That's there's it, so much of this yeah, like yeah, yeah, received wisdom. Sure. I don't call it whatever you want, but there's so much of it, especially in cycling. It's weird. Cy- uh, cycling is like you know, there, there's there's a lot of that momentum from from stuff that's been debunked. 20 years ago, that's still a, that's still very much present in the, in the sport and people think they should be doing it. Cause they're, you know, that's what they're, they've been told all along. Rim breaks as an yeah. example. <laughs> You're just going to make some enemies, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so that's and uh, and listeners, as a as a, a user of Exert myself, um, on and off for the last few years, usually I, I kind of fire it up for the for the summer season. But now that I think about it, there's actually a lot of applications for it to uh, to be used indoors too. Um, I'm uh, I'm a big fan. There's certain elements that I really really love about it. Like uh, Armando very briefly mentioned um, the the apps and the data fields that are available from uh, from Garmin's Connect IQ store when you have an Exert subscription. And some of these are truly useful because this is not only uh, a tool that can be used for post uh, ride analysis, but it can give you quite a bit of uh, of actionable data in the moment which is which is really fun and you know you when you're trying to you're trying to score that breakthrough on that big climb you can actually watch your your mpa fall live and you're looking at your at your watts the, the watts you're putting out and where the mpa is and you're just trying to get those numbers to cross and you know it's it's a very exactly. motivating effort yeah yeah and you know and, and it'll be and you're always amazed that when you know it's coming down to you know 600 watts or 500 watts and you think you can do it and your legs are saying, nope. you know, it's, if it's, if it's, if it's perfectly matched and your signature is really accurate, then it'll predict it down to the second. So, you know, you it'll know when you're going to fail down to one or two seconds of effort. That's pretty cool. So it's, um, yeah, it is, it is pretty cool when you're fully dialed in and you're watching the, and you're watching your gauge or you're watching the, the MPA number and you're working it and you know you're you you know when you're just you can't go you know you where you're going to have to back off so you know there are people that have used this very successfully in racing mm-hmm. because they know you know this is a gap they can't close so we'll just just back off or you know there's a, they have some a little bit more in the tank than they think than the next person so maybe it's a good time for an attack you know these are sort of things that you know the, that the 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 data fields the Garmin data fields will help you you know give you a little bit better insight into or at least Maybe not insight, but more confirm what you already have a sense of. So that's another thing that you could use them for is just to kind of see what they say, see what your body is telling you. And, and if they they both say go, then, you know, maybe that's a good time. Uh, hmm. makes sense to kind of make your move. So so these are sort of things I think that um, are the, the apps are being used for. They're used for racing. But I think it's mostly just because the people are just people are just curious. Right. Can I beat it? Can I can I get another breakthrough? Can I show that? all my training has, has, you know, has, uh, you know, I've, that I'm going to, re, re, that, I've, that I've received the benefit of, of all my training and I'm getting, uh, I'm getting the improvements that I wanted. You know, those are kind of, uh, confirmations and things like that, that people like to see, you know, you know and you don't need to do an FDP test <laughs> to kind of, to kind of get that confirmation. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned that uh, for a little while you were working on the, uh, the multi-sport model. Um, what else is, in the in the plans for the next little bit for exert anything that you can you know you want to talk about at least yeah well we we just recently launched um you know we worked we were working hard on some indoor training new indoor training features Mm -hmm. um and so we've combined a new android app we call the android app ebc um and it's interesting in the sense that we think that it can be used very, very effectively, obviously, for indoor training, but you can also use it on your rides. So if you're looking for uh, a way to record your ride, you don't have your, your bike computer with you and you want to use your phone, mm-hmm. uh, we can, you, know, you can certainly use the app for recording. Um, you can use it on uh, the Hammerhead Carew. So Hammerhead has the Exert EBC app in their app store. Mm. So if you pick up a Carew, um, you can just install our app 
and it's got a nice little MPA gauge and fatigue gauge and all of our metrics are on there. So you don't have to worry about installing them on your Garmin or anything. They all come installed and nice. much easier to work with the, uh, with the crew in that respect. Um, but that, you know, we are working on more, you know, apps for uh, mobile apps. So looking to invest more in that mo- mobile app space. So they're kind of cool. Um, but we're also working on group training. So there's a big push, we think, towards things like group training, where, you know, one of the unique things, this is where it stemmed from. One of the unique things about Exert is because we know MPA, we know your, you know, Michael, I know where you are in your fatigue. And Andrew, I know where you are in your fatigue and where I am. And if I know where we all are at the same time, well, if I can control a trainer, I can make the trainer ensure that we're all getting the same training benefit. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially, so rather than kind of working kind of the old model where we would work some percentage of FTP, which would work maybe well for one person, not well <laughs> for another person, Yep. you know, and the coach would have to step in to provide the proper guidance to do it properly. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've got all that kind of s- sorted out so that the three of us can hop on, a, hop on an indoor trainer and do the identical workout. So we know we're all suffering the same amount at the same time. Yeah, we you know we all we're, we're, we all you know uh, uh, feel the same, get the same benefit out of it at the end. Um, you know, there's something to that, and we think that both the precision that we can make the workouts so that everyone can do them the same, um, and if we if we if we coordinate so that you we all start the workout at the same time, we all do the same intervals at the same time, we're all suffering the same amount at the same time. We think that people are going to be more are going to be more motivated to actually do them and complete them, mm-hmm. and this is holding true so far. So you do one of these sessions, they go by much faster, they're more fun, and you complete them more often. You end up doing harder workouts than you think you're able to do, mm-hmm. and we and so and I think that's because of our ability to kind of understand every unique every person's unique capabilities at that time and then have them work in a kind of a group environment. So, so that's what we think is kind of unique to exert that we can offer. And um, we're really excited about that. I think, you know, all of our testing of our, the, what we call exert sessions has been really positive. People love doing the workouts. It's like strange, like hop on a trainer and doing a workout. You know, most people dread the idea. <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've got groups now that look forward to, you know, getting on the bike and riding with the other guys and the other people. And, and, um, you know, sharing the workout and sharing the suffering and the enjoyment and then the, I don't want to say enjoyment, though, but the experience of it and the benefit of it in the end as well. Well, I think it's, it's probably people just saying, I want to push that person harder so I can watch them suffer and know that, uh, you know, they, maybe it comes down to mental fortitude at the end of the day. But I think there's a little bit of that, um, that willingness or, or desire to make other people suffer in place of you. <laughs> and that's, that's probably one of the motivating factors. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, and, and the fact that you know that they, they are suffering, they are, you know exactly by how, about, by how much, yeah. right? And so that's, that's really the, one of the key, key aspects of it. And that's, you know, and that you're suffering as well. Mm-hmm. And you're suffering. So, you know, if if you if the three of us got on one of these sessions and there was Matthew Vanderpoel, <laughs> you know, it's not like he could pedal with one leg and, and beat the crap out of us in, in any kind of competition. That's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, why are we riding together? Like there's no nothing in it for him and I can't compete. Right. 
But if you put us all in the same session, mm-hmm. it's different. Now we're all pedaling relative to our own abilities. We're all suffering the same amount relative to ourselves. And, you know, if, if he quits early and you don't, it means you're tougher relative to your own ability. So he's not going to quit. He's going to want to be there. Right. So so that kind of thing, if you know, you're all kind of work, you're all in it together. Um, there's something, there's something motivation, mo- uh, motivational about that. And I will say, uh, from my, my point of view, we do a lot of these interviews where we talk to people about new concepts and new products and things like that. And not that yours is particularly new, but, uh, I don't always have the feeling that I want to go and try this as soon as we're done the conversation. But today I'm definitely getting, getting that <laughs> feeling where I want to go out and register. Um, and I, I honestly haven't used your system before. I've heard a lot about it, but I've never used it. And now I'm so motivated to go and try it just to see, awesome. uh, just to see how it works. Cause it's, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be looking for you, Andrew. I'll be, you know, I'll be, you know, curious to see how you're making out. So, uh, Oh, you don't want to know how my training's doing right now. That's, uh, <laughs> you don't have a, you don't have the PhD defense excuse anymore. Dr. Buckroll. you gotta, you gotta get okay. on your trainer now. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'll find other excuses, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to testing it out. I think it's, uh, it's exciting. I love, I love seeing math come into play and these kind of statistical models that are built around physiology, not, not guided by physiology so much, but, uh, they're built to, to work with it. And it's really creative the way you've approached this and kind of gone off in your own direction where other people are trying to follow these again, being informed by metabolic po- pathways. So uh, kudos to being able to create such a creative model. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, we're, uh, you know, I, 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 a lot of people think this is all something that I came up with. And, and in some ways, I just kind of followed it more, more so than I kind of invented it because it just it kind of landed on my lap. So it's kind of like, here's how the physiology works. Well, what, how, where, where will that take us? Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, it took us to MPA. It took us to XSS. It took us to this concept of focus that we haven't talked about. You know, these things were, they were just where the math led us. So we just, we, we keep doing that. We just say, what does the math say? And where is it taking us? And so that's the only thing I think I, I, I feel good about my contribution is that I, I really let this model do its own thing. And, you know, I tell people, you know, in spite of all my personal lack of software skill or business skill or, you know, lack of physiology, despite all of those things, because I'm just a guy, I'm not, you know, there's nothing special about me. In spite of all my limitations, this stuff really, really works well. Hmm. And that's and that's a testament to the model, this model that was sort of discovered. It's just really, really robust. And so, you know, I hope I've done the best I can to get out of its way and and really make it work the way it should. Um, But um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's really cool in that respect. And I, and I think there's still a lot more to be done. You know, there's, there's still more things that we think we can do with this model and what different ways to apply it. So, and it's the same approach, just get out of the way, let, let the model sort of dictate how things work. And um, if you stay true to that, then it's amazing what kind of things can be discovered. Yeah, I, I love it. I think one of the things you said earlier that, that really resonates with me is that it was uh, a lot of it was driven by curiosity. Um, and I think that's 
I think curiosity can really accomplish a lot, provided that, as you say, you you kind of let it happen, <laughs> get out of its way when you when you yeah. when you need to get out of its way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think um, Armando, I think that's an awesome place to leave it because uh, I think you've uh, you've given us uh, a really nice overview of what the platform does and and how it works and who it's useful for. And uh, listeners, uh, I hope that you will you'll go check it out because it really is um, it really is an inexpensive product. I think it's it's 10, 10 US dollars per month is the is the current mm-hmm. rate. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's a very kind of low risk experiment. And if you have any kind of curiosity about um, what your body can do uh, and and some of the modeling behind it, uh, exert just for just out of curiosity is uh, is a really fun platform to check out and play around with. So with that, um, I'm going to say thank you so much for, for taking the time. I know this interview has been a long time coming with, uh, with COVID and with, uh, with the kind of like the insanity of, of everyone's lives. Uh, I wish we could have had it a little bit sooner, but I'm glad it, uh, it happened now. So thank you for coming on. No, thank you for having me. It's been really enjoyable speaking with the, with the both of you. Thanks, Armando. And uh, listeners, as always, um, if you've enjoyed the show, Tell your friends, give us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts and uh, check us out next week. Thanks, everyone. And I'm going to re-record that train wreck of an intro because <laughs> that was a, that was a disaster. I don't, you know... Um, <laughs> Once the interview gets going, I'm fine. And it's also like my 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 like you're very well spoken for for almost bedtime, Armando. My uh, my capacity for clear thinking declines at like four o'clock, and then it's yeah, it's bad news. <laughs>